Okay, you can still hear me now, right? What? You can still hear me fine? What? That's got to be the thing we do at the front of the episode, is <laughs> us doing all these <laughs> stupid <laughs> mic checks. Can you hear me now? What? No, I, let me what? see. I can't. Let me, let me turn, turn the dial, the daub. The dials on the, <laughs> the dials on the daubs? Yeah, the dials on the daubs. Yeah. Welcome to Death Watch, the Star Wars podcast from a galaxy not so far, far away. I'm Mike Bennett. And I'm Chris Skull. And today we are back from vacation and excited to reconnect with all of our loyal fans. We've been off for a couple of months now, Chris, taking advantage of the the off-season, uh, as it were, in between the, the new series and Star Wars shows. And uh, now we're, we're back getting ourselves ready for what feels like a never-ending onslaught of new content and shows coming from Disney's Star Wars. Yeah, like it's going to be an ex- what is it that you sent me? Uh, you sent me an article like that. Now there's going to be like 7,400 new shows on on Disney Plus that have just been announced. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Uh, oh man, it was, it was a satirical uh, thing, but it really was not too far of the satire because <laughs> yeah, there are so many new shows. Yeah, it's actually 3,600. They're just you know they're they're just trying to inflate the numbers a little bit. Exactly. It's it's that inflation nowadays. It's yeah. <laughs> so um, we a we wanted to update you guys just where Chris and I have been at for the last couple of months, what we've been up to, and then uh, we're going to talk about some of the the content that came out over over the summer uh, from Bad Batch and Visions and a couple of the like the new trailers and and teasers that came out for for upcoming series. So we'll talk about that, and then of course. As you all know, uh, we are on the precipice of the beginning of the book of Boba Fett. I suppose season one, but I guess we don't know if it's just a one and done. But uh, we'll be talking about what we think and hope might be in the book of Boba Fett. So, um, Chris, what have you been up to this summer? So, I have been busy with all the 3D printing things. Uh, I've we um for those of you that know like my my small shop skull squared i make all the 3d printing things and uh we had like one tiktok it was a stupid one that went viral like it wasn't even intentional oh, wow. and our workload pretty much became a little overwhelming so i'm still kind of just on a backlog of getting stuff out so i've been busy with that um i also emceed for a 3D printing event on 3D printing and sustainability. That was pretty fun. Got yeah, that was cool to see. Yeah, yeah. You were part of it. You you, you uh, participated in it. That was that was pretty cool. It's uh, uh, it, very interesting to to see how that tech is going. Uh, what about yourself? Well, uh, as a lot of you know, I had a, 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 another baby last March. Congratulations. Um, yeah, so he's still around. Um, but we moved to Tennessee from, uh, I think many of you remember, we were living in, in Boston. We live in Tennessee now. Uh, I have more than three blades of grass in my yard. Congratulations. Pretty, pretty great. Yeah. Um, so I moved to Tennessee. We bought a house, um, got another cat, and uh, raked a lot of leaves. Nice. It's a, a very eventful I like. So, oh, I guess the leaves has been the latter part, not the summer. But <laughs> I like how you said that the baby's still around. Like, what's what's he gonna do? Just pay? Like, that's it. I'm done paying rent. 
I'm gonna find my uh, own well, place, you know, mom and dad. You know, Thanks. Yeah, you know, kids these days, they, you know, they, they rebel and they move on. Yeah, six. Like, mom, I'm six months old. Okay, I, I, I know what I gotta do. All right. <laughs> it's Peace. 2021. Kids don't have to just live at home forever. <laughs> no, it's, uh, he's a lovely kid, and uh, well, they all are. Most of them are. Most of them. Two, One of my favorite jokes from I don't. It's a comedian who has like four kids. He's like, I've got three beautiful kids. And another kid. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. So uh, that's what we've been up to. But um, let's you've, let's you've, talk about what yeah. Disney's been up to. Yeah, because they have been up to a lot. I know we we did one episode uh, talking about the Bad Batch before we took a break, and uh, the rest of the series happened. So <laughs> that went by uh, really fast. <laughs> it did. I, it was kind of like hard to keep up. Like yeah. that was they were coming out right at. The moment when I was like moving and doing all this stuff, so I didn't see them all. Oh, actually, I did see them all in real time, but um, it was still uh, a lot going on. So, what would you? How would you kind of wrap that ep- that series up? Uh, well, how would you describe it all? So, I felt it was entertaining. So, I I do have like some negative comments about it, but you know, don't get me wrong. It was it was entertaining. Um, it was good to see it in a in a similar format to like Rebels or or Clone Wars, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but they 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 could have condensed a lot of the emotional struggle from experiencing Order sixty six as soldiers, and then the 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 split of themselves as a as a unit with Crosshair and the rest of the team, and uh, they could have you know maybe re- reduced all of that to like two or. Th- or three episodes, and then and then that's it. The the problem that I had was that it felt a lot like filler, and there were so many side quests, mm-hmm. like it was all side quests to me, and it just and even yeah. then it didn't feel like you you were rewarded for it because at the end it's as it it it, it you knew from episode one what was going to happen, and then what happened in the last episode is exactly what happened. So I'm right. just kind of hoping that. Um, that the next season has a lot more development, hopefully more tie-in with the Ahsoka series. Yeah, I, I talked about it in our, our first episode, or when we were talking about the first episode of the series, and it just continued to play out over the first few uh, arc, the arc of the first few series, um, is the like the how rapidly the Republic becomes the Empire. Mm-hmm. Like, in theory, I always, like, knew okay this is the republic he's the uh you know supreme ruler of the republic there's this switch and it becomes the empire Mm -hmm. um but that was like we see the empire 20 years later at the beginning of new hope and i figured it took over that 20 years you know to make that transition but it was like i mean it feels like those quick cutscenes and and other stuff it feels like within days yeah the entire republic switches to the empire yeah. on every level and i you know obviously palpatine has this like mastermind uh force ability to you know to orchestrate the universe literally pulling mm-hmm. strings on on the entire galaxy uh, and we saw that how he started the clone wars on both sides but to see that it obviously would continue in that he had been planning the empire for years and yeah. years that that the moment that all of the you know order 66 and everything transitions there's just he literally switches on the empire and yeah 
um, all order of government uh, begins to change over in no time. So you, that was that was incredible. You know what I just realized? That say what you will about how evil Palpatine is, he is the master I, of brand management. Yeah, no, that is true. Think about he this. Definitely, he's got a second career as a marketing consultant for y sure. Yeah, he he was able to not just turn over the logistics of an entire you know un galaxy in terms of uh, of government, but he had the uniforms ready. He had oh, yeah. He had the uh, the the lesson courses already designed. He probably had all the merch ready to go. All yeah, the propaganda, no, the, lo the logos were all on there. That takes time, he, man. Like he had that, new currency designed already. That takes. I mean, he, he had this whole master plan. Like I, I want this man to design my company. Like or yeah. like the branding for for any future company. That is a lot of work. Yeah. So. Well, so that was Bad Batch. There's a season two coming, right? That's a confirmed yes. thing? Yeah. Okay. So who knows when that'll be. Dave Filoni's got like 45 projects on, on his desk, so I don't even know if he's considered what the story arcs are, are for that season. But <laughs> um, I think we'll, we'll forget about Bad Batch for a while with, the, uh, with Book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian season three, probably Ahsoka, mm -hmm. which have all been, and then Obi-Wan which we're going to talk about yeah. now. Look at, how about that for a transition? Yeah, I'm good with so, that. So speaking of Obi-Wan, I know that this one you were you were excited about this one the, the most. I mean, so. he's my favorite character in all of, of Star Wars lore, so I'm certainly excited to see him on screen more, uh, and it's the one area of his life. Well, I won't say that, actually, because I think an Obi-Wan series that explores him as a Padawan with Qui-Gon would actually be pretty cool mm -hmm. and could totally be within the, you know, the realm of, of content for this series. Although they seem to be indicating pretty strongly that it is a, it is an intertestamental an inter trilogy period. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's just after the clone wars and before a new hope, it's all in that time frame. But uh, I would love to see Obi-Wan as a kid what? and, and, all that stuff too. Would yeah, be cool. I wouldn't mind um, a cameo from Liam Neeson, Qui Gon Jinn. Yeah, so I think you almost have to have it because there's this, you know, in the if you watch all of the Clone Wars series, you know that the the way they figured out how to manifest themselves through the Force Ghost stuff is first, you know, piloted by Qui Gon and then passed on to Yoda and then passed on to Obi Wan. So there there is this ability for Qui-Gon to speak from the beyond of the force and uh, I can <laughs> Obi-Wan abandoned by the galaxy alone in a cave in the desert I can't think of a better opportunity for for Qui-Gon to pick up the phone and be like hey how are you doing what how's it been what you yeah. up been up to yeah how did it go with that kid that was supposed to bring balance to the force is, is he doing good how's it how's everything yeah the, the, the kid who lost a father figure and then lost another father figure yeah. Yeah. How was that? How's that going for you? Great. Thanks, yeah. Qui Gon. Yeah. And just a total aside, if if Qui Gon had never died and he was the one who trained Anakin, would have been just an entirely different series. Yeah. But Star for, Wars isn't Star anything. Wars unless there's trauma. Yeah, that's true. Speaking um, of speaking of trauma, uh, how have you been with the lack of trailer that we've man, been? Man, I that thing that popped up. It was like, oh, new Obi Wan. I don't know if they said trailer or video. It's a teaser. It was, it's not it even... Was, it's like a minute and four seconds, and it's just um, 
two two people talking about whatever it's obi-wan and the director saying oh yeah we're filming the series you're like thanks okay okay (laughs) thanks we we knew that that okay a long time ago um but yeah i i'm looking forward to a trailer we'll see it it'll probably well it'll probably show up a few episodes in after the (laughs) obi-wan series has already been released <laughs> yeah right we'll get the trailer like after episode four that sounds like the trailer right. will come out yeah thanks yeah. thanks for that uh, hayden christensen is confirmed for the show and i i mean i saw an image i can't tell if it was him in vader you know burn vader makeup uh post you know like during the um revenge of the sith scenes or if this was like mm-hmm. a leaked image of him during the kenobi um, yeah during this obi-wan series uh, yeah. But he does reprise his character as Anakin slash Darth Vader. Uh, what, what are your What are your thoughts on that on the on that interaction between Hayden? First and... of all, it seems hard to one up the name Darth Vader. But yeah, Anakin slash Darth Vader sounds like a cool like slash as yes. his like middle name <laughs> sounds like a cool name from from my perspective. Yeah, that's. Um, <laughs> but I'm I'm you know I am curious to see how they're going to use him, and the biggest thing I'm questioning is how it seems like a loophole that they're creating because at the, at the, when they come together in a new hope, he says, when we last saw, you know, you were the master and I was the learner and it's changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm butchering the, the quote, but um, nice. If, if they are meeting again now mm-hmm. and they're trying to say that, that in a new hope, when Vader said that line, it's now referring to this new in, in yeah. encounter we are seeing. Because it sort of made sense when, you know, at when he di- like got cut down at Mustafar, mm-hmm. Obi Wan was the master and he whatever. But now I'm curious as to what that would would refer to, or if it's just a, a loophole that they're going to create and not worry about. Yeah, probably. Uh, I mean, and even or, then, even if it's an aside, you know, whatever. I, I I think us as fan peoples shouldn't really, we shouldn't really care because we're getting new. As long as it's well crafted content, I think we'll be fine. It is yeah. confirmed that Ian McGregor and Hayden Christensen have been like training, and Ian McGregor did say in interviews that they'll cross lightsabers again. So there, there's definitely going to be some some action sequences, but I think overall it's going to be a personally a more narrative driven story as opposed to maybe like a more action driven story like Book of Boba Fett mm-hmm. Mandalorian. Yeah, like Obi Wan's role in Rebels, where he was um, had hardly any action, honestly, just the the like three seconds of a lightsaber battle with with Maul, yeah, and that's about all he does actively. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see it being similar to that too, yeah, um, as, as opposed to this like uh, post Order sixty six where he's just cutting down everybody and trying to free like some the random Jedi enclaves that pop up. Like I could imagine that he just goes to Tatooine and hardly ever leaves for for the twenty years in between. But I guess we'll see. Maybe so that's Obi One or as what what we know about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Visions came out, yeah. which I think is the like the biggest departure from the typical Star Wars content. Um, I know you were really excited about, about was. this exploration. So tell tell me what you were thinking about. What was some of your favorite moments? Well, I love Star Wars and I love anime. No, and <laughs> the fact that they uh, were you know, combine the two genres together to make this new medium was amazing. And I'm all for making more of it. Uh, you know, something I appreciated about Visions is um, 
they didn't really have to me it seemed like lucasfilm didn't have a lot of oversight and it kind of showed with mm. these shorts they sort of they probably gave some background information to to these production companies if and whether they knew or didn't know much about star wars before you can kind of tell and or at the very least we're like yeah we know a lot about star wars but we're gonna do our own thing anyway yeah and, and you know as long as you take it as a non-canon alternate universe sort of lens then they're a lot more entertaining and i appreciate some of them were like really cutesy uh, a lot of them were like homages to different studios and then some of them were just straight raw you know they were they were so cool like the duel and the uh, the elder the episode with the old old sith jedi the very first yeah. episode the duel was probably my favorite and incredibly you know to the roots of star wars like mm -hmm. very kurosawa very old school samurai fight uh those two episodes were amazing yeah. uh i liked the ninth jedi was a good one i agree for, yeah both for like uh the the story structure and mm -hmm. that it like was a a reveal at the end that was unexpected or you know that kind of it's it's not what you're thinking but yeah um even in just a couple of the like the characters and and the ideas that were coming out were cool i know that the duel has some extended narratives to it there's there is a book written and it shows i think the perspective of both of uh of the characters of the of the, the protagonist and the antagonist uh, the Ninth Jedi, I don't know if there is, but I would very much like to see more narrative from that. It, it, it kind of feels like um, kind of like what the High Republic is now. There's a yeah. lot more Jedi in the galaxy, um, and it's, they feel more, I don't want to say ancient, but like it, it, it's a lot more old school than the, than the current Republic that we were used to. And then the twist at the end, you know, mm -hmm. so it felt like that one I wanted more story from yeah. it and i was really disappointed that that it just ended the way that it did not because i felt it, it ended badly but like i wanted i wanted more so i felt like that was a very well written right. episode yep. and um one episode it wasn't my favorite but i think it has a notable mention i think it's important to mention it's the one with lop and ocho and i think people kind of um pan it because okay cute little bunny rabbit with a lightsaber is kind of is kind of dumb but it has a lot of parallels to the sequels specifically the relationship the dynamic between uh ray and kylo and i really also appreciate it of the, like the deep japanese influence on on the episode and the environment the world building that it has you know there is the there's this sequence there's this ritual of passing the ancient weapon that's been passed down in the family lineage and um mm -hmm. even the way that they wear their clothes and the clan dynamic but then there's the found family concept which is heavily yeah. found in like a recurring theme in star wars and how the the one character is like ray where she's uh, an orphan and she's adopted and she really wants her adopted father to be her real father versus the other character who's the literal birth daughter throws away her heritage to mm -hmm. join the bad guys essentially because suddenly you know they think that that's the right way to go to, from a certain point of from view. From a certain, that's good. <laughs> from a certain point of view, so I, I, there's definitely a lot of uh, comparisons between Ray and Kylo and those two characters between Lapa and Ocho. So I think it definitely is worth a, a, a second glance if you if you saw it, or definitely taking a look at it if you haven't. What, yeah. What about you? 
Um, I, you know, I won't, I won't speak into a ton of detail about them, but I, I think in, in general, it was, I think this could be the future of Star Wars content is short form, mm-hmm. um, diverse story ideas. Um, you know, even, you know, Chris forgot to mention in his update of what he was doing over the summer, but he actually wrote a short story for Star Wars, recorded um, a mm-hmm. character podcast and it was it was available it's on beings of the galaxy yeah you guys should check it out it's in our um it's on our socials and whatnot but um those types of things of kind of creating small short stories that they you know they could be throwaway in terms of not connected to larger you know movie storylines or whatever the same way that the, from the certain point of view books are they're just little three-page stories about you know the the death star radio technician who was, you know, receiving the transmission from the probe that landed on Hoff. It's like those types of things give small glances into the broader story that yeah. are meaningless and meaningful at the same time. Yeah. So that's I think that was cool about these just looking at small villages and how they're interacting with each other on this one planet which we know is part of, you know, a, a coalition of a thousand planets. Um it's kind of cool. I think my favorite moment was that like the umbrella lightsaber, um, <laughs> which, I mean, A, just from a, like, exploring new uh, force wield weapons was was pretty sick. This, like, you know, uh, long staff that po- pops open into an umbrella-like shape with whatever it was, seven or eight uh, lightsaber blades. That was just an awesome weapon, and it totally fits within the, like, the anime... Um, like category for for weapons it looks cool in the animation yeah uh, and it, it just takes advantage of the medium like i don't know if that would look as cool in a in a live action movie to have someone pop open this thing and spin it like it, it might not look as cool um definitely better than it, the saber copters in, oh, in it rebels it just felt like the ultimate troll on the inquisitor lightsaber where they just spins around and they fly away with it it was like <laughs> this is absolutely a mary poppins lightsaber umbrella um but anyway yeah no that was cool yeah so those those series were great i think they they give a glimpse into what disney could do in terms of opening up to a a broader yeah um fan base but also just a broader group of of creators and um you know not have to work within the like lucasfilm uh, studio lot but you know going to these different design shops around the world, animating shops around the world and, and create content and story writing. Um, it'd be cool. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to take a second to talk about the beings of the galaxy podcast real quick. Yeah, please do. I want to give them a shout out. Uh, Cause it was a great opportunity to talk to them, to talk with them and to share a story and uh, the conversations that I was having with, with um, Camilla was I, they didn't give me the story. They asked me to draft it up. So there was a lot of back and forth in editing and um, the episode was basing it off of a fake imperial, well, a non-existent, but for the purpose of the story, a a written in, former imperial architect who has to leave his daughter for an assignment and basically uh, saves Wookiees. But what I appreciate her format for her episodes is there's always an overarching lesson or a moral about helping people throughout the galaxy. And I felt that's what drew me to wanting to contribute yeah and um if you haven't well if you haven't listened to it please do so uh we'll we'll link it also um wherever you see this 
it's worth a list, not just the episode I guest starred in, but for the whole for a whole series. And um, to your point about like, uh, because this ties in with like visions and even with the the video games, is all these there's so much leeway in a literal non-existent universe because everything is fiction. But there is, you know, it does. How dare you? <laughs> There's there's boundaries, of course, within within this universe, but it's so um, expanded. It's kind of like the expanded universe that we had before Disney bought out Lucasfilm. And so there's a lot of opportunities for original stories to be told, uh, you know, that they don't really conflict with the mainstream media of movies and and shows and, and things like that. So there's a lot of opportunity for a lot of great people to be creative and work within the framework of this existing universe. Yeah. So uh, next up, I think that covers most of the sort of on-screen mm-hmm. um, series and content, but the uh, a couple of video games have been uh, teased. I know we talked about a couple in, some, earlier in the spring. They mentioned like a, a, a massive open-world game that might be coming but had absolutely no information to it. Um, in addition to that, uh, there's a game... Uh, Chris, you you describe games better than I do, so yeah. why don't you take this one? Where there's there's that uh, bounty hunter game, which kind of seems like uh, a take on um, Overwatch almost. Mm. You know, where it's I thought it was gonna be a build your own character, like you you pick a class and you and you just build your own custom character, um, but it kind of seems like it's gonna be a three on three or one V six kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not, I'm not excited about that because um, one of the characters is literally two Jawas, one standing on, on another, sh- on another's shoulder, kind of like two kids with a, with a big trench coat kind of concept. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. And then one of them is a stormtrooper or ex stormtrooper with a minigun. I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I recall now it's kind of like an arena based yeah. like combat game. I feel like it's not going to be a big hitter, but it could mm-hmm. it might still be a fun game, but I I don't know, I'd rather just wait and see. There's also the uh new there was a new teaser that was just dropped um called Eclipse and the trailer I feel like deserves an award in itself of some kind. Yeah. It felt like I was like Dune, the soundtrack, the big drums. It feels like I was watching a combination between Prometheus and some very high art studio production. Um, my concern is that it feels like it's an overhyped trailer. It is a developer that is that is award winning. Uh, they've made games like Beyond Two Souls and Detroit Becoming Human. I've never played them, but I, I've read that um, they've received a lot of acclaim. They're very narrative based, and I don't know how that's going to work for a more action-driven universe like Star Wars, sort of what yeah. we've expected in other games. So it could be, in my opinion, a beautifully boring game. Mm-hmm. So well, we'll see. Yes, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely interested in the, like, sort of infinite world yeah. exploration, kind of like take your, you know, choose your adventure. I mean, I would love some kind of, like, cross between... No Man's Sky and RuneScape and you know, that's what I would love to see. 
Yeah. Create your own character from their own species. Yeah. Pick your own, or even like Elder Scrolls, like you know where you you know you pick a bunch of like skill credits and then you you just like if you want to you can you can be a whatever an airline or a ship mechanic and, and build ships or you can be a bounty hunter or you could yeah. farm or you could I mean like just an infinite choice of what to do and what planets to go to. They, they had a similar concept with the old Republic MMO. Right. Um, I would just prefer a, a single player experience, you know, or if it was something kind of like uh, Destiny, where it's, you know, you mm-hmm. just squad up with a, with a few people and then you go on missions, but then you can still do stuff on your own if you had wanted to. Like, I'd, yeah. I'd be excited for something like that, too. That would be cool. So then what's the deal with this uh, KOTOR remake? Because I know yeah. they've, they ported over the KOTOR games to mobile platforms, mm-hmm. but I was I was unaware of the, the remake, so talk about that. From what I can tell, it's they're basically um, repolishing it with the latest tech, and uh, it is a PS5 exclusive, so mm-hmm. that stinks for us poor people. Um, I really hope personally that is a deviation of the original because like you said it's already been ported over so if you just wanted to play the original sure the graphics are not ps5 quality but it's still good gameplay you know great mechanic great storyline um i personally think that if it's not going to be a complete port over and they just repolish the least they're probably going to do is make certain things that were not canon into canon and I'm really hoping they bring toilet cannons <laughs> I was so in, close in, to saying into it. canon. Because if they don't, I would be so disappointed. Yeah. It just, it just depends on how far reaching our podcast influence has gone in the last two year and a half. If anybody in Lucasfilm is hearing this, you brought toilets into canon with the Mandalorian. Now you need to weaponize said toilets into mm-hmm. canon. Make toilet cannons canon. Thank you. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Well, while we reflect on the canonization of toilet cannons, uh, why don't we take a quick break and give you a chance to hear a word from our sponsors. And when we come back, we'll be talking about the book of Boba Fett. We'll be right back. This episode of Death Watch is also brought to you by Skull Squared Design Company. We're also huge fans of The Mandalorian, as well as Star Wars in general. And we wanted to share that love by making gifts for our fellow fans of Mando and the Child. Whether you wanted some flair while enjoying your favorite beverage in Oga's Cantina, or wanted to covertly show your support to the Resistance while exploring Batuu, we've got gifts for everybody. And not just Star Wars fans, but Marvel and Disney fans too. Check us out at SkullSquared.com or follow us on social media at SkullSquared. That's Skull with a C, as in... See y'all real soon! And we're back. So, the book of Boba Fett, uh, as of recording time, it comes out a week from now. Um, this is a, an interesting time of year to launch a, a series during the holidays, but I, I think it will be. Um, I mean, everyone's kind of just sitting at home, so I think it will probably premiere to a large audience. Uh, this covers the kind of epic character of Boba Fett who heretofore really only has like a handful of minutes of screen time. Um, 
even though he has this massive, you know, legend and and fan appeal, uh, Disney's been doing some series on Boba Fett over the last couple of months, trying to drum up some excitement, covering how they created the character. And I mean, honestly, he was like kind of thrown in there at the last mm-hmm. minute, and they like kind of like he was thrown some... in the Sarlacc pit. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, even even more haphazardly than that, um, he was just kind of like, let's make a cool looking like soldier looking dude in the mm-hmm. background and he'll have a he'll have two lines in the the second movie and we'll give him eight lines in the third movie and and then we'll have to base the series on him yep. in 20 30 years done so um it was all part yeah. of the plan yeah so it's it was it's been cool to see them expand on the origins of Boba Fett from a like production and story writing standpoint yeah um but now we get to look a little bit more at, hopefully a lot more at who he is and maybe where he comes from and or how he became, you know, the Boba Fett. We obviously saw him as a kid in the movies and in the Clone Wars. Uh, so there's like some understanding of what his backstory is. But, but the last time we see him, he's like 10 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he shows up in Empire Strikes Back as this guy who Darth Vader has to tell not to disintegrate people. And I feel like the the kid we left was not, like, up for doing disintegrations at the time. He was, like, you know, in with the wrong crowd, but he was the one with the good heart in the group. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so how that guy got so, like, you know, battle-hardened and became this guy who wants to be a crime syndicate leader, essentially, is what the series seems to be showing is, is going to be interesting. There was, there was some content from Clone Wars and then some deleted... Uh, scenes that never aired where he he runs with his dad's old crew like Ayla Sakura and um, uh, what's the dude who was all bandaged up um, Dengar Dengar yeah and and mm-hmm. uh, so some of those other bounties Bosk. like Bosk like all those people that we saw in Empire Strikes Back those weren't strangers to him those were people that technically he grew up with right so he didn't. He was already in the. He was with the wrong crowd from the get go. I oh, yeah. I personally think um, they're not going to do like flashbacks, but they will talk about you know his his old crew, and then I would love to see them come back in some capacity and work with him as allies, because this mm-hmm. definitely has a very criminal underworld criminal underworld sorry, uh, Godfather type feel for the mm-hmm. for the show. And as yeah. we saw from the trailer, he does get his hands dirty on like 75% of the trailer. And then the 25% where he's not, where he's just sitting being very civil, I, I feel like that's the most dangerous part. That's that's yeah. the part of Boba that you, that you don't want to cross. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess to set the series up, he, you know, at the end of the season two finale of The Mandalorian, he shows back up to Jabba's palace. He takes out Bib Fortuna and sits in the chair and essentially yeah. is like, I'm, I'm going to fill the void that has existed in the crime underworld, the criminal underworld, and take over this this spot. You can What's say it was is, very unfortunate for Bib. Unfortunate, yeah. yeah. Um, that was terrible, and I yeah. have no regrets. <laughs> um, you know, what's interesting is he's taking the place of Jabba the Hutt, who was not a very like physically imposing yeah. person like he just like literally sat on his 
barge yeah. and Bib literally got the couch. as fat as a hut as he could. Yeah. Um, I you know, like we're saying and we're seeing in the trailers, I think he's gonna hardly spend any time at the office. He's mm-hmm. gonna be busy out busting skulls. Um, yeah. And Boba would be the person probably Boba would be the one who knows how to do that because he was uh Jabba's like number one dude. He was his go to yeah. guy. Yeah, the enforcer, mm-hmm. which I feel like is a pretty standard storyline for gangster turnover in mm-hmm. terms of leadership. Mm-hmm. Like the, the right hand man of the, the gangster who either gets killed and the, the guy steps up or the right hand man kills the head guy because he feels like he's ready to take over kind and then, of thing. And then usurps. Yeah. Um, so we've got that. And, you know, Shenick Fan was with him. I think it will, you know, she has this like life debt thing to him now from her being saved in the, the desert from Boba. You know, the, we get that line given to us quickly of why she's with him uh, on uh, on Tython. But we don't really know anything about how that works or how long that's going to last mm-hmm. or, you know, is is she literally going to do anything he says forever? Uh, is it a, a, a does it have a term to the agreement? It'll be interesting because yeah. I don't. She seems like she's her own woman in mm-hmm. a way that like she's not just going to sit there and take orders forever. Yeah, so that'll be interesting to see. I personally um, think she's in it because she knows how much fun she's going to have working with Boba. I think she's also in it a lot for. To your point, um, yes, there's a life debt thing. But I think she's also in it for herself, not in a not in a selfish manner, but because she knows that this is she runs parallel to Boba in a lot of in a lot of different ways, I think. Yeah. So a couple of things that we're looking forward to and hoping to see, or maybe we'll call these predictions. We should get one of those soundboards where we press the the board and a little sound bite predictions. We just do that segment every episode we're not um, this isn't like this to- isn't twitch mike <laughs> toilet sounds like okay farting noises toilet whatever. toilet cannon crying baby yeah yeah oh we do need it we do need a toilet cannon sound effect because that's like the fourth episode we've talked about it um we've got this like you know how the heck is he still alive mm-hmm. right the last time we see him before the mandalorian he fought he fell into the sarlacc pit which at least at the time when it came out in 83 or whatever was like, oh yeah, he got eaten. He's dead. Like mm-hmm. that's uh, there's no no expectation that he is gonna live. And then he pops up, and there's comics that talk about uh, you know how he maybe got out, and uh, so it'll be interesting to see if they talk about it or show it, or you know maybe it's a quick line that he's like, even if it's like a it's a traumatic thing, and so he doesn't want to address it. He just like says something quick and says, "Don't ever ask me again." Mm-hmm. I can totally see that yeah. being like a way out for the the producers of the yes. show do not have to keep reviewing it. It's like, I got out. Don't ask me again. Yeah. And then, and then it's, that's them saying, we're not going to tell you. I could totally see that. <laughs> like in, um, I, in, in, in legends, there's like so many different theories as to how he did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the most official is from, you you know how we have like from, from a certain point of view, there's, there's different short stories that, that talk about the different, you know, uh, perspectives in the universe. There was something similar back called, um, I forget what the the, the whole um, anthology was called, but the one short story was called A Barve Like That, The Tale of Boba Fett, where it explains. And um, so he eventually does detonate his way out 
and he uses his jetpack as sort of a means to distract and injure the Sarlacc. Mm. But then there's something about he has a psychic or telepathic connection with a previous victim who mm. has another telepathic connection to a Jedi who is the first victim of the Sarlacc. And somehow they communicate with each other, and that's how he figures out to just... It's kind of convoluted, a lot, much like how the extended universe was. Um, I kind of hope that they do simplify it. They give us some sort of an explanation, but something like, I blew it up from the inside because I didn't want to die, and uh, and that was it, you know? Mm -hmm. So. Well, hopefully we see him get out or at least hear about it. Um, we've got to figure out where Slave 1 was parked. Um, that must I be one heck of a parking ticket. He's got, he's he had to have been booted, it, like tons of, of tickets just up on the windshield. That's probably why he he had to sell his. Uh, it's probably his on blocks. The jaw was was just to pay for his parking tickets. Um, but uh, I'm glad the ship is still around. I think yeah, it'll be cool to see how it gets brought in. But I mean, Star Wars is great about making characters out of of ships mm -hmm. and. The slave one ship does have that like character esque qualities that the Millennium Falcon and others um, do. So even if we don't hear about where it was in the uh, in the early years, we will definitely see it as they pop around the, the galaxy. Um, I would love to see uh, Luke mm. swing by in some way. You know, this is Luke's home planet. He's obviously he's around at the time. He's he's building back the Jedi Order or and at this point, he's just gotten Grogu, and so we like we, we saw him literally like an hour ago, and so it's <laughs> possible that we do see him in this, mm -hmm. um, especially that whatever that um, the actor who who played him in episode sixteen of of or chapter sixteen of the Mandalorian. I think that'd be cool just to see him, even if it's like in passing or a reference to him or something. Yeah. It'd be like fan service. I don't. I do not want him as a character in this series. Oh, I, yeah. I think he either is like a major character or he's just like referenced yeah. in a throwaway line. Like, oh, over on that planet, some Jedi popped up and, and destroyed the Pike criminal syndicate or, you know, something like yeah. that. It's like uh, it's him talking about why he, they need to avoid the Jedi or you know, whatever. Yeah. But that would be cool. I personally don't want to see Luke in this. I think we, we should... We were kind of frozen. That moment is frozen in time, where uh, deep fake Luke is, is. You know, he makes the appearance, and they did a great job. If you look at the behind the scenes of that one particular episode, um, it's a lot of work to put young Luke on Mark Hamill's body, and uh, and then they had you know you have the stand-in. So it was a lot of work just to do that few minutes of of him with FaceTime. Imagine another entire series. So I don't think it's going to happen. I would I would like to see references of it or hear references yeah. of it. But I'm okay with just keeping the book of Boba Fett focused on Boba Fett and his circles. Yeah. Um, because we're talking about the criminal underworld and crime syndicates, the last time we were like really addressing them was in uh, Clone Wars and mm -hmm. I guess not really in Rebels, but with, you know, Darth Maul or the remnant, the 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 leftover of Darth Maul taking over those crime syndicates mm -hmm. and organizing them all together, it it seems like Boba Fett may be trying to do the same thing mm -hmm. in terms of like or bring them back together and take the place of Maul. 
would be, you know, obviously he's been dead for quite some time uh, at this point. Yeah. But it might be an interesting nod to talk about whether it's a, a leader of a crime syndicate who's like, I'm not sure we want to join you because the last time we joined someone, it didn't go well for us. You know, something like that. Right. Where they refer to him tangentially. I think that'd be cool. So uh, I learned something. Well, we know that there's new gangs, two specifically Kanji Club and the Guavian Death Gang. We see them in Force Awakens because they're they're collecting. Uh, they they came to collect from Han Solo because mm-hmm. Han Solo is um, the the worst dad in the universe. <laughs> so they 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 came in to collect child support or whatever. But uh, something I learned about Kanji Club is. They were actually uh, slaves for the huts, and they were yeah. they were slave fighters. So they uh, unionized, and they drafted up some legally binding documents, and um, they brought it to. No, they fought their way out from the huts, <laughs> yeah, and formed unions their own. Just unions are destroying this country. <laughs> the huts are doing the galaxy a favor. No, they yeah they um. They, the the huts paid their slaves very well and provided 14 minute, fourteen second bathroom breaks. It's no big deal. Oh, 14 seconds? Wow, that's a... I get seven. Um, yeah. So they, Kanji Club and Guavin Death Gang are two existing gangs by the time the sequels are out, which are still a few years after the Book of Boba Fett takes place, but they got to start somewhere. So we'll probably see either their, you know, They've already been established, or probably their infancy when they meet up with with Boba Fett. That's that's what I'm thinking. Mm, that'd be cool. Well, and you mentioned you know Han and Chewie in in the beginning of the Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. They are obviously also around in this time period, and you know there's some transition from Han being associated with the New Republic and you know all of that, and he transitions back into his life of uh, I'll call it crime and in smuggling. So it is possible that we could see them too and get tied up in this uh series. Maybe uh, I don't think they will do that. No. Uh, I think that would be I think, that would be tough. I think Harrison, to Harrison Ford, Ford to is, play that character again. Permanently done with with Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. And I think the last point here, we're probably gonna have to learn Hatties. Yeah. Because it's just gonna be everywhere and uh it's it'll just be handy to be able to speak it. It's going to be a good sure. opportunity to come up with some Hutties merch. Mm, good, good point. Yeah, that, that'll be an exciting time. <laughs> so um, that's it for what we're looking for for the Boba for the book of Boba Fett. Join us next week as we talk about Episode One on the series that starts um, on December 29th on Disney Plus. Can't wait. So that's all for this episode. Thank you for joining us. If you like this episode, as always, please subscribe, share, and write a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at Death Watch Podcast, on TikTok at Death Watch Cast, and email us at deathwatchpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find our merch on Etsy. You can just search for etsy.com slash shop slash deathwatchpodcast. Thanks for listening. This is the way. This is the way.